Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Doing pretty good? Good. Well, I am glad to be here with you this morning. I'm glad to get to come and share a little bit with you. I don't get many of these very often anymore, so I do want to take just a moment to kind of explain who I am, where I come from, where I'm serving, why I'm available on a Sunday morning, uh, all of those things, right? And you need some explanation here. My name is Nathan Webb, uh, and uh, it's actually kind of a name that I don't necessarily go by in my community anymore. My name in my community is Nerd Pastor Nate. How do you like that? Nerd Pastor Nate. I am a church planner here in the Western North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church, and I'm planning a church called Checkpoint Church. Checkpoint Church is the church for nerds, geeks, and gamers. Now, this is kind of a strange church. This is kind of a weird thing to do. But whenever I was growing up, I'm a PK. My dad was a pastor in the United Methodist Church as well. And we served in a rural church and then moved into a contemporary church. And I loved my church. I loved my youth group. I loved being a part of it, but I never really fit in. I was really wanting to play video games and talk about comic books. And my peers and my friends and my youth group were wanting to play another round of horse on the basketball court. And that was fun. And I enjoyed my time with the youth group, but I never really clicked with the video game crowd. And so I had these two groups in my life where I was, I had my gamer friends who didn't really like my church friends. And then I had my church friends who didn't really care for my gamer friends. And so I saw this great divide, this great division that we have in our world and in our church community. And I thought, why, why do we have that? Why does that exist? I want to do something about that. And so I went to our uh, person who was in charge of church planning at the time here in the conference, and I expressed this desire. I said, I really want to plant a church. It might not be the right time, but I want to plant this church for nerds, geeks, and gamers. And he looked at me and he said, well, what are your thoughts on Dungeons and Dragons? I said, well, this is, you know, this is do or die here. I said, I play every Thursday night with my college buddies. I said, I understand if you need to say no. He looked at me and he said, I play every Sunday night with my buddies. So the church planter for the conference turns out was a big nerd. He was just like me. And so we clicked right away. We saw eye to eye. He saw this vision and saw what we were doing. And so he said, let's give it a shot. Let's see what this looks like. Let's see if this is something we can do. And so, so far in my ministry, I've served a lot of different contexts, a lot of different church plants, a lot of different settings, but this is definitely the strangest by far. During my time at Duke, I actually served a church very much like this one. This is very nostalgic for me. Uh, this is definitely something uh, that I remember and that I cherish and that I love. And so I love the opportunity to get to come back to, to the traditional church, to the rural church, and get to share a little bit about what we're doing here and what's being done and about the ministry that's being done and just get the opportunity to share a sermon that isn't necessarily about anime or cartoons or video games. Uh, it is nice to come back home, to come back to a place where I can share this good news of the gospel. And my goal here is not just to evangelize Checkpoint to you. I don't want to just tell you what we're doing at Checkpoint and let that be the end of it. But instead, I want you to, to leave this place knowing that the same spirit that fills this place is the spirit that fills the digital community of Checkpoint. It is the spirit that is within us all. It is the same God doing something amazing in all of these places and in all of these ways. So with that, let's dive into our scripture for this morning. We're going to be reading from one of the epistles of Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. I think it'll be up on the screen 
for us, or if you'd like to follow along in the Bible in your pews, whichever, or the Bible that you might have brought with you. I'm going to be reading from the NRSV this morning. That's my preferred translation. So hear now these words of the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things, to all people, that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I might share in its blessings. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O God. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And when it comes to Paul, we wrestle a lot. Paul and I wrestle with our words and with our understandings and with our things that we talk about. And for a while, I didn't understand why me and Paul agree on so much, disagree on so much, butt heads. Paul is someone that's very powerful with his words. He has a lot of things to share. And what I think is so important to understand as we read through Paul is that we have to understand that he is writing these messages within a context within a ministry, within something that is being done. For example, right now, this community that we are sharing with here at Royal Oaks UMC is very different from the one at Checkpoint Church on a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday as we stream on Twitch, whatever that is, right? These are very different things. These are very different places. And so what we have to do as we read through, as we understand the words of Paul, we have to not just look at what he's saying, but why he might be saying it. If we just copy and paste the words of Paul into our setting, it won't make any sense. For instance, no one needs me to be Jewish because I'm not, and because I'm not trying to reach a Jewish community. So if I were to just try and carbon copy what Paul says in this passage and say to the Jews, I became a Jew, you'd probably be confused. You might accuse me of identity crisis and say that we have a real problem going on. So it doesn't work to just copy and paste a to be. So why does Paul write what he writes here? Why is Paul writing what he's writing in this passage of 1 Corinthians? An important thing to know is that 1 Corinthians, despite the fact that it says 1 Corinthians, isn't his first interaction with the people of Corinth. Instead, this is Paul's third interaction. His first interaction was whenever he went and he actually founded the church. He actually did the thing. He got the people together. He did the planting and that was the incredible first act of his ministry. Then there's a second interaction that we don't have. We don't have that letter, but we understand that it didn't go very well. We understand that Paul is not very pleased, and it's only gotten worse. By the time 1 Corinthians comes around, Paul is responding to a great deal of division and hurt that has happened in the community in the church in Corinth. It's caused by pride. It's caused by knowledge. It's caused by a cockiness that they think that they know better than other people do. They know better than God himself might know. And so Paul covers a lot of ground 
In this, in this letter, he covers a whole lot of ground, talks a lot about faith, hope, and love in this letter. But here, he's talking about another idea, a minor idea, a minor part of Paul's argument. And he's talking about this word that we know well, this word freedom. We like that word. We like the word freedom, don't we? That's a great word. It's a powerful word. It's a word that evokes a lot of imagery in our current context. But remember, this is a totally different context. This is about 1,700 years before we start considering our American idea of freedom. So what is Paul actually referring to? What kind of freedom is Paul talking about? What is it that he's referring to? Paul is talking about freedom from slavery to sin. Before Paul, before Christ, before this understanding, before this new wave of the way, before all of this happened, we were enslaved to our very sin. And then Jesus came and broke the chains, casting us from our slavery, making us free. The Corinthians understand this. They've been taught this. Paul's already done the founding work. The groundwork has already been laid. They know freedom. Make no mistake, the Corinthians know what freedom is. So the problem that Paul is addressing isn't whether or not we have our freedom, whether or not we are free, but instead, how are we using that freedom? The Corinthians are abusing it. They're hurting each other. In our community at Checkpoint, we have to have rules. We have to have a structure within our actual group. Whenever you're online, it's anonymous Anybody can come in and drop in at any given time. And so we have to have a framework for people to work within. And so sometimes communities online will have certain rules uh, that they'll lay out and they'll be like, you know, the Ten Commandments. They'll look forever long and people have to read through a full contract before they enter into a chat room and they'll get stressed out. So I made it easy at Checkpoint. And we just have our, uh, our founder, our Methodist founder, John Wesley, he had three general rules. And so I wrote those three rules, nice, short, and sweet. Number one, if you want to join our community, you have to agree to do good. Number two, you have to agree to do no harm. Number three, I, I considered most people probably wouldn't understand what attend upon the ordinances of God might mean. So I just said, strive to grow. Those are our three rules. Short, sweet, to the point, easy to remember, easy to agree to, maybe. Because the Corinthians here, they're breaking our number two rule. We agree to do no harm, and yet the Corinthians are harming one another with their words, with their judgment, and it's causing division. And so Paul has to explain here that our freedom is important, but it's only half of the equation. It's only half of what we're doing. Remember, it's not just the what, it's the why. Why did Jesus give us freedom from sin? For what reason did Jesus set that up? For what reason are we free? What does Jesus say about it? Remember the passage in which Jesus says, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. We know that passage, right? We know that phrase. We have that in our minds. What does that imply? There is a burden. There is a yoke. A yoke is this great thing that you put around the bull or the ox to pull the cart. It is something that you have to pull, something that you have to do. The burden does exist just because Christ freed us from our slavery to sin doesn't mean that we're then free from a burden. Whoa, that's a serious thing. That's a serious thing 
to wrap our minds around because we really like to be in control, right? I have a feeling if I said, let's raise our hands if we like control, every hand would go up, right? We like to be in control. We like to be the ones in charge because of course we do. I do. But the reality that Paul is presenting here is that in our freedom, in our being free from sin, we serve a new master. We serve something new. And what is that? What is the new master that we serve? I'll let that cook a minute while we move on and talk a little bit about why I'm doing nerd ministry. Why am I in this setting? Why do I do this thing? Why do nerds need a minister? Why don't they just come to church? Why don't they just come to our churches that we already have? Why do we need to plant a church for nerds, geeks, and gamers? Why does that need to exist? There's one big reason in my mind, and it actually has to do with the very first sermon that I ever wrote. The very first thing that I ever did, whenever I was in youth group, I was, I was a PK, I was a shining star, I was somebody that everybody always, you know, wanted in the leadership role, always wanted in that position, and so I was preaching, uh, sharing our message on our youth Sunday, one Sunday, and I, I preached this sermon that's probably heretical, where I called it, Keep Your Faith on a Leash. And the reason that I preached this sermon, the reason that I ever shared this sermon was because I had been to the Dixie Classic Fair. Have you ever been to the Dixie Classic Fair? It's a good time. It's a good fair. It's kind of like the North Carolina State Fair. Uh, it's in Winston-Salem. That's where we kind of grew up. And so I went there one year, and there was someone that was a Bible beater standing in one of the convention halls. And I was probably 12 years old, and he came chasing after me, asking me if I was going to burn, trying to do the turn and burn method on me. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I'm in the youth group. I'm a youth leader. I'm good. Don't, don't come at me. Don't yell at me. And yet they did. They did yell at me, and it scared me, and it turned me off entirely from the idea. It made me really question things about church. That experience, that encounter was a negative one. It was one that hurt me. And so I expressed it in this sermon as I said, keep your faith on a leash. Sometimes we got to restrain that sucker. We're excited about it, and I get that, but sometimes it comes across as cruel, as judgmental, as hurtful. And all this is to say that this is why nerd ministry is necessary. Nerds have one pretty major thought about Christians. They only get to experience us really in one major way. Let's assume for a moment in this hypothetical scenario that there might be this person who doesn't really go to church, who doesn't have any family members in church. All they really have is they really like Doctor Who or they really like something like that. And so they go to the Comic-Con. GalaxyCon is this upcoming weekend in, in Raleigh. They go to GalaxyCon and they only get one interaction with a Christian a year when they go to GalaxyCon. And do you know what that interaction is? The one interaction that they get is right outside of pretty much every Comic-Con, pretty much every convention, there is a street preacher. This street preacher is normally yelling obscenities, really being angry and aggressive and mad. Somehow they always find these apple crates. I don't know where you find an apple crate nowadays. I don't have any idea where they find these apple crates, but somehow they find an apple crate and they stand up on it and they've got a megaphone and they're yelling these Turner burn, God hates you for what you do, hate the sin and maybe, maybe love the sinner, but definitely hate that sin. That's what we want you to know. So let's be clear, this is a form of ministry. It is making an impact. It is becoming something in people's heads. It is getting an idea across. It's one that I personally disagree with. 
It's one I believe is ineffective. I believe it's antithetical to the Jesus that I read in the gospel, but it is a form. It is a method for sharing the gospel. Even more than that, it's a perfect example of our freedom. We have the ability in Jesus Christ. We are free from sin. We have the ability to do that exact thing. We are free to yell and shout. We are free to hate and divide. We are free to do that. We have the ability in our freedom from our sin. Freedom isn't the concern. We know that we're free. The Corinthians knew they were free. The question then is how we use it. How do we use that freedom? So let's go back to Paul. Paul says we are free, and the Corinthians go wild with it, you remember. They're free to tell others what's good, what's bad, what's best, how to pray right, how to talk right, how to eat right, how to stand right, all of that stuff. And naturally, this leads to division because what else could it do? And Paul writes this message in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and this is my translation. What are you thinking? What are y'all doing? You aren't free to hurt one another. Even if we do have that freedom, it brings harm. And so your freedom presents you with the choice. You have the choice. And this is ministry. This is what we're doing. We are free from our slavery and our sin. And so because of that freedom, who do we choose to serve? We can serve ourselves. And we can hate. And we can divide. We can make ourselves feel better than we ought to. We can find an apple crate wherever they are. We can stand and yell and act like we are better than we are. Or we can do what Jesus did. We can do what Paul is saying. And we become like servants to one another. We serve each other. Now, I know you're saying, hang on, hang on just a second, preacher. I don't like everyone. I don't know if I want to serve everyone. Now, these people in this room, I like these people. These are my friends. These are my family. I see them every Sunday. I don't mind, you know, holding the door for them to the bathroom. I don't mind, you know, letting them step in front of me in line. I don't mind that stuff. But I don't know if I like everyone. I don't know if I want to serve everyone. And I hear you. Me neither. I don't like everyone. I don't find everyone that I want to get along with. And here's the thing. The kicker is you have the freedom to not do it. You have the freedom to not love everyone, but not if you want that title of Christian. Not if you want to be like Christ, a little Christ. What does Jesus do when presented with the freedom to do what he wants to do? He washes his disciples' feet. He eats meals with the tax collectors. He eats with the sinners. He has a chat with a prostitute and the woman with the many husbands by the well. Jesus is the ultimate example of having ultimate freedom and ultimately choosing to relinquish that freedom for the sake of the other. To serve, to love, to be better than we could ever hope to be in our act of being like Christ. So back to my apple cart person, back to my person who is screaming at these folks. That is a choice that that person has made. We can be free to make that choice, or we can be free 
to serve our neighbor. I am going into the places where my beloved nerds, geeks, and gamers are. I'm not yelling at them. I'm not standing out on the corner and telling them that they're wrong or bad or evil. I'm in these places, things that you've probably never even heard of, places that I'd never even heard of. They make me feel old. I'm in Discord. I'm going to Comic-Cons. I'm on Twitch. I'm doing all of these strange things in these strange places so that I can be with, so that I can serve under these nerds, geeks, and gamers. I do not see myself as a leader. I see myself as a servant to them. Who looks more like Christ? Is it the one who's standing up with the megaphone yelling? Or is it the one down on hands and knees washing the feet, inviting people in with a smile, with some time, with love? So I always like to end my sermons with a so what? So what? What do you do with this information? You sitting here today, you listening online, what do you do with what you've just heard? What does that mean for you? Well, the good news is you are free from sin. You are free from your slavery to sin. So you have the choice. You get to make the choice. You have that freedom. As for me, what choice will I make? Well, to the nerds, I became a nerd. To the geeks, I became a geek. To the gamers, I am a gamer. I have become all things to all people that I might by all means save some. The burden is light, but it is still a burden. Are you doing something with your freedom? What choice are you making? May you freely choose to serve. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.